Welcome to Dr. MomCast, Snacks. We're calling this type of episode a snack because it's a bite-sized, shorter segment of information on a current topic. If you want us to dig deeper and make it a full meal like our full-length episodes, then follow us and leave a comment at Dr. MomCast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Today, we talk about sex differences in sports injuries, and we discover that jock itch cream has applications for both males and females. News to us. This is Dr. MomCast, snack style. Welcome back, everybody, to Dr. MomCast. I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro, here with some of my favorite sports neuropsychology colleagues. Dr. Alyssa Wickland. Dr. Beth Pirat. Dr. Lisa Napolt-Baca. Dr. Summer Ott. And we're here to talk about kids, sports, health, safety, anything else that comes up along the way. Summer and I had an interesting conversation. There was a study by colleagues of mine here in Colorado that's gotten a lot of media attention recently. The research showed that in studies on concussion, females are vastly underrepresented. And the numbers were staggering. Only about 19% of the research is actually on females. And 40% of the concussion research that's been published has no female participants at all. Like the most of the research is focusing on boys versus girls. Okay. And treating sports injuries isn't one size fits all. So having equal representation of males and females in the research is really important. That got us down the rabbit hole of talking about sex differences in sports injuries in general. So for example, I Concussion is more common in girls in certain sports. Girls are also more likely to suffer ACL or knee injuries when compared to boys in other sports. It's interesting because you keep hearing about concussions, higher risk in girls. They're more likely to report symptoms, yada, yada, yada. But maybe it's skewed because there just aren't as many studies looking at girls. So that's potentially misleading. Yes. So what is the sex differences as it pertains to athletic injuries? Historically, I think gender and sex have been used interchangeably. And over the past few years, we've really looked at definitions. Lisa, would you tell us about the differences in terms of definitions? Yeah. Well, I talked about Sex. Yes, I will. About sex, baby. Sex is what you were assigned at birth. It is chromosomal. Two X's buys you a vagina, an X and a Y buys you a penis. Gender is how we present ourselves in society. It's more of a societal construct and it's based on more personal factors, personality and nurture. So for the discussion, we stick to sex differences because there are males and females that play certain sports. For example, football is more of a male dominated sport. I really wanted to talk about this topic because there's a saying that my mama used to say when I was younger. She would say, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And for those of you that have never heard that phrase, it means that the same situation should apply to this person as well as the next person. But really talking about sex differences and injury is that What's good for the gander here is not good for the goose, right? The way we approach athletes following their injury, the way we prevent them or educate them beforehand. And then back to parenting 101, like how do we set the stage for our own children at the very beginning in terms of how we help prevent injuries in them or what we tell them to be careful about? This one size fits all just can't keep happening. Are we the goose or the gander? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. We are supposed to be the gooses. <laughs> the gooses. <laughs> and the male, when goose by itself, is supposed to be the gander. Okay. I, mean, I just literally didn't know. When Summer was explaining this to me, what I thought was interesting is that there are several theories on why 
injuries in sports can differ by sex, differ for males and females. So theories include how we interact with our kids in childhood, how kids express their emotions, how girls and boys have different access to medical staff within their sports, sex differences in anatomy, hormones. There's so many different reasons we can see sex differences in sports injuries. If you just look around and you start to observe, how do we interact with children based on their sex? It happens when they're really young. There is research support that we often will tell girls, be careful, watch out. And we don't do that as much with males. We often tell girls, make sure that you never do that again, where we let males maybe continue to do that behavior. Both moms and dads tend to play with their sons in a more rough fashion and do a lot more horseplay than they do their daughters. And what sports do we put our children in at a young age? Do we help assign what sport they might want to play based on their sex? Wait, so are you saying that how we play with our kids and talk to them and all that stuff in turn affects the sports they play or the kinds of injuries they get? Yeah, so might be choosing the type of sport they have, but also it might speak to how someone ends up suffering an injury. Perhaps we are better at preventing some injuries because we are more cautious. Well, husband who tells my two sons to be careful constantly, I guess I didn't realize he was being a feminist because he was treating our boys. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is true. I think historically view girls as more fragile when you look at from a nature nurture perspective, right? I think that's what you're saying. Be careful. Whereas boys roughhouse climb things. These are just these cultural nature versus nurture normative discussions we have even when they're babies. So we don't even realize we're doing it. You're roughhousing with your son, not your daughter. I don't think people are consciously thinking about that. But the messaging is there even when they're little. So it's not that my daughter and I are accident prone. It's just that we were parented incorrectly for our sex. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. You should have been roughhousing more. Yes. It's also what we say to kids. My niece and nephew, I remember whenever someone would say, oh, she's so pretty. And I would say, and smart and kind and empathetic and ambitious. And I would throw out all these terms because it just irritated me. They're like, no one ever said, oh, he's so handsome to my nephew. They always would say, oh, he's smart. He's athletic. It just started so early defining these behaviors that are sex specific. So when I was in college, we examined sex specific differences in the toy aisles at Toys R Us. It tells you how old I am because they're gone. But just looking at the kinds of toys that are on boy aisles versus girl aisles. I'd be curious if that has changed at all. We'd see more sex and gender neutral toys. I think that's true with sporting equipment. It's not just one type of soccer ball in historically masculine colors. I do think there's an entire movement to market to yeah. girls in different and sports. And it's not all pink. Yeah. Pink. Pink it and shrink it for female uh, merchandising. The same cream that you use for jock itch, athlete's foot, and is it some girls, <laughs> is exactly the same, but it's priced differently in those three different aisles depending on how it's packaged and labeled. Interesting. You know, I, I did not see us going jack itch tonight. I have to tell you, I did not. <laughs> the package differently is a very good segue because our bodies are packaged differently. But when we're talking about injury, is the package that we're in makes a big difference. Package has a whole other adaptation. Does body type make a difference in the injury rate? Well, we all know that some of the anatomical differences are that females have thinner or leaner necks. That's one of the reasons why females may suffer more injuries in sports for both sexes. Also a thinner ACL 
And women have a wider pelvis and males have narrower hips. In females, they tend to increase inward with the slant of their thigh when they're playing certain sports. And therefore, they increase this Q angle. I need to have our orthopedic friends on here to give us more of the anatomy of this. But that in turn puts so much torsion on the knee that therefore causes the ACL injury. So that's also fascinating. Interesting. The, so interesting. Anatomical differences. So the ACL injuries are those greater in females? They are. That's what the studies show. Well, in regard to injury prevention, I don't think training is emphasized as much for females as it is for males. Remember the controversy last year in the March Madness tournament. They showed the fantastic weight room for the guys and this pathetic yoga mat and four weights for the girls. The good thing is that people stepped up and they obviously they really improved, but it did also put a real focus on the discrepancy. So we're seeing this year there's much greater equality between the teams, which is really exciting. And the women had, I think, more viewers, but they did have more viewers. Well, so it's not just about access of dollar resources. It's literally the things that do that help prevent injuries and to train appropriately for the sports you're playing. And there's a lot of athletic programs around the country where the boys get to lift weight, but the girls maybe don't have a strong strength and conditioning program. Muscle mass is such an important thing, the musculature, that we need to also have these injury prevention programs for females that don't always exist like they do for males. How does rest and recovery factor in? Are there differences by sex? And does that play a role in how athletes are injured? All I know is that us grown-ass women don't rest and we get hurt. So females tend to also have more overuse injuries than males. And I think it's educational and messaging. Boys tend to be more involved in a program. So football, for example, or hockey, where you might have a conditioning day, a skating day, a rest day, whereas girls may not have that organized program. That's one of the things the literature showed that may not be taught the rest and recovery piece as much. And a lot of educational programs with respect to concussion tend to focus on collision sports. Well, females play less collision sports. So therefore, it might start with the educational component as well. And there is data looking at education of coaches and not surprising to anyone. Football coaches have the highest rate of education on injuries. And the coach, see if my esteemed colleagues can guess, which sport do you think coaches have the worst education level on? Are we talking contact sports? Are we talking all sports? Just coaches? All sports. Cheerleading. Exactly. Cheerleading had the Yay. I have no prides for you, Marla, but good job. Okay. I, um, went, I went chocolate. The cheerleading coaches showed the lowest rate of education on uh, concussion. And I always joke, it always seems like every time I saw a cheerleader, I was like, oh, the magic water? The coaches would go get some water and come back, right? Like the magic healing water. Even at the level of coaches and officials, we're educating those contact sports on concussion awareness and recognition. We're not educating at the same level those sports that are predominantly female. Back to overuse injuries, the increase in how often our kids are playing sports. If girls are predisposed to injury, not only are they not getting time to rest during the season, but we're bleeding from one season into the next, that they're not getting the season off where they've got months for their body to heal and regenerate and grow. There's also some literature that suggests that females will engage in more adaptive coping mechanisms for pain where men tend to rely on opioids and pain medication. Maybe perhaps for women, it's more societally acceptable for them to express their pain versus men. Mm -hmm. Men express more pain and sickness than women do. 
I'm sh- every married person is shocked <laughs> by that. I know. And everyone thinks oh. every woman who's had childbirth has had the ultimate pain. To, so we're going to have to link the YouTube <laughs> man flu video on this one. I think that's really culturally relevant too, because there have been some studies showing that Caucasian individuals tend to be taken more seriously in the ER or the urgent care mm-hmm. in terms of their symptoms where other cultures tend to be dismissed. Absolutely. I've experienced that and so many other middle-aged runners I know experience that. I sprained my ankle four years later. It was reconstructed because surgeons blew me off. I was sent to a rheumatologist and they said, you must be a whiner. I said, why? They said, well, that's where they send the women with chronic pain complaints. Oh, wow. Left. Yeah. Ouch. Marley, you make a really good point. The whole term hysterical comes from this notion that women are- Our uteri are making us crazy. I do. <laughs> There's data that consistently shows that the complaints of, of males are taken more seriously than females. And so is that, again, a component of slower recovery because- you're not getting into those services until someone finally leaves you. So the other thing is girls often are allowed to express their emotion in public and it's okay. And if a boy does that, it's not as regarded as well or accepted. Man up. I think it depends on the emotion though. Girls can cry, but they can't express anger. Boys can express anger, but they can't cry. So I do think there's a difference as far as what emotion you're referring to. That's true. That's a good point, Beth. In some injuries, girls are able to report that they don't feel good, that people are going to be more accepting of that, where males are taught more to minimize that because they are supposed to be tougher. But I think you make an important point, Summer. Just picture a silence of a kid's soccer game and a little girl twists her ankle and everyone's like, oh, are you okay, honey? Where the boy, it's like, okay, rub some dirt on it. Let's go. Yeah, back up. Right? up. The messaging is quite different from a pretty early age about how you handle injuries and the reinforcement. The boys are not sending teddy bears to their friends who have injuries. So there's just different dynamics between how girls and boys are treated, not only by their parents, by their healthcare providers, but by their peers. Right. And it may not just even be sex differences. It could be by sport, right? We all know there's more monetary value and things thrown at the football team than there is the tennis team. People have an interest in seeing certain athletes, maybe they're contact athletes versus single sport athletes. I think it also depends on community. Some of you are in yeah. Texas where football is king. Some places on the East Coast, lacrosse is just the end all and be all. Some places, baseball. So I also think the community differences about what sport is valued is going to make a difference. So all those factors go into reporting of injuries, recovery from injuries, the treatment they're getting. It's multifactorial. I like the badass girls are playing sports, but we want uniformity and education and helping these athletes come forward and report these injuries for sure. But I don't know if you all have had this experience in our sports medicine clinic, the girls get referred at a later date yep. in their concussion recovery. I, I see Beth shaking her head here within five days later than their male counterparts at our clinic. And I thought that was interesting. It's like we rush the male. And again, it may be sport specific because most of them play football right. contact sports and they have more access to athletic trainers and so forth. There's actually a recent study that looked at that yeah. because we've all talked about these theories about why there's this sex differences in concussion incidents and recovery. But one of the theories is that girls are coming in later to get treatment. I think there's probably multiple reasons for that. But one of it is, is that if you're playing football or basketball, there's going to be athletic trainers available to you. And if you're playing softball or girls lacrosse, or there's just not available 
that right. immediate recognition of these injuries. That got me thinking too, boys are more likely to be injured in a collision with another person or player. Girls are more likely to be injured when coming into contact with a playing surface. And so when you have two people that collide, you've got two sides of the story. You've got two people who may be injured, whereas when a girl collides with a surface, she may not report that. With girls taking up wrestling, I'll be curious to see if the injury rates in girls wrestling are different from boys wrestling. Well, in sports where both sexes play, like basketball, soccer, have been researched pretty extensively, not only with concussion, but with ACL and other things, females are having a higher injury rate in those particular sports than their male counterparts. But there are reasons why people theorize that girls may be injured more often and have more serious and catastrophic injury. Be hormonal. In female athletes, many of them have a loss of menses, so they may not have regular periods. A reduction in estrogen can lead to more bone fractures and bone injury. Particularly interesting in the ACL literature is if females are also on oral contraceptives, are they more prone or less likely to suffer injuries? And that's been kind of controversial. Does testosterone play a protective factor? That's one of the theories, Alyssa, is that testosterone has a neuroprotective factor. But I don't think the literature to date entirely supports that. Because to Summer's point, that there has been studies looking at the menstruation cycle and seeing higher rates of injuries at different levels in the cycle. I think one of the uh, messages I've taken away is really leveling the playing field, no pun intended, leveling the Uh playing field really early on. There can be fragile girls. There can be fragile boys. There can be really tough females, really tough males. We need to look in more of an equitable way. These are just personality characteristics or something your child may possess within a sport, but not necessarily by sex. Could you say again, Summer, what sports females have a higher incidence of injury? And then my next question would be, are there things we can do to help prevent that in those particular sports? Yeah. So in sports where males and females both play, like basketball, soccer, females do have more injuries with concussion, stress fractures, and the ACL injuries. So knees, feet, head broken bones. There are ACL prevention programs, but I wonder how heavily they market to the female athlete. We've worked a lot in sports medicine programs on preventing neck injuries by strengthening where men tend to do that as part of their weight training and strengthening routine and females that might be overlooked. So that would be one thing that we could do that would be preventative based on what we're dealt with anatomically. Right. Uh, Girls are resistant to doing neck exercises because they don't want to bulk your neck. Where boys, that's a sign of that you're strong is that you have a wider neck. And it's not a criticism. It's simply a a matter of culturally what girls are. Body image and exactly. Let's talk about the differences in male and female uniforms. Son plays volleyball. Does he wear booty shorts? He does not wear booty shorts. (laughs) Button keepers, whatever they call them. It's crazy that just now teams are saying maybe we shouldn't give menstruating women and girls white shorts. There's this notion of lack of focus on what is good for girls, right? Girls can't, at least in places, run with their sports bra, but a boy can run shirtless. Right. Oh, yeah. Remember the big controversy where Brandy Chastain took off her... Yeah, and she just had a very modest sports bra, and it was such this big deal. You know, it's such a liberating thing for so many women to watch that. Exactly. Exactly what you said, Beth. Body image is massive here. These girls have to stuff 
their booties into these booty shorts. Same thing with the weights. We talk about lifting weights, but there's also a certain amount of nutrition that needs to go along with that to sustain the muscle growth. So there's this body dysmorphia. There's getting adequate nutrition that needs to be considered for girls too, that I don't think is quite as much of an issue for boys. Pro level, we have dietitians that work with our teams. And so they would know what would be the macros and everything that a female athlete would need versus a male athlete. But at our high school and youth levels, that may not exist. So that's another thing that parents, if you have the ability or resources, and I know that's hard to come by, if you have an athlete, you might even consider working with a dietitian if you can. To- so here's another really <laughs> important point that people don't think about. When we think about steroid and common sense and drug use, we tend to think about boys. But the fastest growing group that are using performance hands and drugs and steroids is actually girls. Seriously? Wow, I did not yeah. know that. Really? Yeah. And I hope to have that we can have a podcast sometimes yeah. on PED and steroid use because it's rampant in this country. And what's the benefit of a female using steroids? It's body image. And that's what Lisa's comment made me think of it because interesting. they call them mirror athletes. They want to look good in that selfie in the mirror. It's weight control. It's muscular definition. It's huh. performance and certainly in sports too. So not just a specific to the fitness and bodybuilding athlete, but a female athlete. One thing we haven't talked about is there are fewer female coaches. So often you have male coaches leading programs for females, which is wonderful that we have these coaches, but they may not have the training or access to the programs to understand the differences in what they need to offer male and female athletes. And to your point, some of the one size fits all. That's an area I think that in athletics could really grow to more sex-specific types of recovery, training, and programs to address those areas that we've talked about, nutrition, stretching, and injury prevention. It was Notre Dame basketball coach a few years ago. At least at that time, she said, what, 10% of all NCAA Division I athletic directors were at women, go Carla Williams, wahoo But there aren't nearly as many, not just coaches, but ADs as well, all to that point. Laura Fleshman talked about this in her book. She talks about that male coaches, and she says, you know, I'm going to generalize, but in her experience, just didn't deal well with the issue of menstruation. And it's an important component of athlete health for females. Collegiate and particularly professional sports have been better at having female athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches. Right. As I always say in so many of our podcasts, we are having the discussion. So for our male coaches that are our listeners, these may be topics you may not have thought about. You know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. Being able to be exposed to understanding sex differences, especially as it relates to injury, nutrition. Yeah, because I don't know a lot about jockage, I'll be honest. So. To your point, I don't need, I'm deferring to my husband on that for anything jockage related. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we come full circle, don't we? Oh my God, it's used for ringworm too. <laughs> the jockage miracle cream. Somehow we always bring it back to body function. We've identified several reasons that patterns may differ by sex when it comes to sports injuries, parenting styles, anatomy, and the psychology of how we respond. Yeah. So both males and females need proper rest and recovery following any injury. And we need to promote a culture where that's acceptable. And then awareness, messaging on toughness so that we're not just singling out females. And we need to make sure that we also focus on prevention in both males and females in terms of injury. And then 
Lastly, how do you respond to males and females? Are you perpetuating some of these stereotypes or things that we see? Are you roughhousing with your daughters and sons equally? And do you have jock itch? <laughs> and which aisle you go to buy your product? And we do know that there's cost variation. We do now. Consumer tips are good. I think it's time to wrap this up. I say we put a fork in it. We're done. Until next time.